Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your host, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. Now, as many of you know, I am the surviving spouse of an American soldier, my husband, Lieutenant Lou Allen was killed in Iraq in 2005 under circumstances that were especially horrific as he was murdered by a fellow soldier. It gets more complicated, but that is not what today's story is about. Today's story is about the path to recovery and the people who are instrumental in it, especially one particular person. Her name is Bonnie Carroll. Bonnie Carroll is a veteran of the United States military, and she is also the surviving spouse. Her husband died in the line of service as well. But Bonnie found a way to take her pain and her tragedy and turn it into a purpose to help others. Her organization, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, has been monumentally helpful in helping so many survivors of other fallen service members like me and my family get through their own loss and their own pain and get back on their feet to find a way to support themselves and support each other on their path to building a new life together. We were so excited to have the opportunity to speak with Bonnie a little while ago as she spoke to us from her office in DC. The idea and inspiration to begin her organization that has helped so many people. And I also got to give her a big thank you for all she's done. Listen in as she shares that with us now. Oh, thank you so much, Barb. And likewise, you know, we're family. And that's what TAPS is. It's a family of all of us who have this broken heart. So we started off with Bonnie telling us a little bit about what TAPS is, how she got started in it, and why she started the organization. My husband was killed in an Army aviation accident back in 1992. And at that time, you know, I was a military reserve officer. I had worked in government. I had been involved in nonprofit organizations, actually ones that supported people who had experienced tragedy. And uh, so when Tom was killed... I had that brief moment where I thought, gosh, you know, I've had all this training, all this experience. I'll be able to help my own family, the the military unit. I'll be able to, you know, really get get us through this. And, And suddenly I could not breathe. And life was forever changed profoundly. And as I was digging out of that very dark place, I started looking for the kind of groups that I knew existed for other types of loss in our society, because this is America and we have a group for everyone. And yeah, there was a brief period where I thought, well, I'll just go to the group that I know for police officers. And those were not my people. They were not speaking my language. I went to the group that I was actually on the board of for homicide survivors or people who had lost a loved one to homicide And likewise, they were not speaking my language. I wasn't waiting for a court date and there wasn't a perpetrator and there, you know, all of these things just weren't part of my experience. So it took, oh gosh, it was, it was a full two years to reconnect with the other widows. There were eight killed in Tom's crash. So I had an immediate peer group of the other seven widows and finding the magic of our connection and the honesty that we found and the hope and the healing with each other organically. And then searching for that, for that tribe nationally. Where was that in America? Where were these tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of military bereaved families that I knew had to exist? And over the course of that two years, 
of doing needs assessment and gap analysis and talking to the government and the private sector and every other organization I could find came to the conclusion, wow, it really didn't exist and never had. So set about examining what the need was. I certainly didn't have the energy or didn't want to create or duplicate something that already existed. And very carefully looked at programs like Gold Star Wives, Society of Military Widows, Gold Star Mothers, to see what they were doing and and if there were gaps between what they provided and offered and what the government offered. And there were four services that really neither was addressing nor would they ever address. And those were peer-based emotional support. That family of all of us coming together to grieve a loved one, remember a life, and live that legacy that our loved ones left us. And also casework assistance that would fill the gaps between what the government provided and what was available elsewhere. We had a 24-7 helpline that started in October of 94 and has been answered live continuously without interruption for the past 24 years. And then the, the fourth service is connecting families to the support in their local community because it exists. There are grief groups, but if that wasn't part of your experience before, it can be very difficult to find it. So that's how CAPS was launched. And uh, today it is it has grown to be America's family. And uh, we are connected to the casualty officers. We reach families, hopefully immediately after their loss has occurred And when she says that, she means it. I can tell you from firsthand experience that Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors is on the scene as immediately as they are physically able to be, if not in person, then via their information. I can remember that uh, it was just very briefly, almost immediately the next day or so after my husband was killed, when I was presented with this folder full of information. And at the time, I didn't want anything to do with that folder I didn't want to address the fact that I had to acknowledge the reality that I was a widow. I was still very angry. I pretty much picked up that folder and tossed it to the side, but not before I saw this organization called TAPS in it, but it was that picture uh, on the front, I think, you know, of a widow at a cemetery. And I just couldn't focus and, and deal with that then. So I tossed it aside. But what I can tell you then is that years later or... I wound up picking up the phone and calling TAPS and they were there for me. And I got to be there personally when other people picked up the phone and called them. When I worked as a veteran services officer for my county, I would have people come into the office, surviving family members, sometimes immediately after the loss. Sometimes it was somebody who lost someone in Vietnam or World War II. And they were there for one reason, but wound up talking to me about another one. And I was able to see that they still had a lot of unresolved things that they had to still deal with. And I could pick up the phone and link them with taps right then and there. And when they heard that voice on the other line say, no, you are not alone. We are here to help you. Oh, and by the way, we can also help you with all these other things you have going on in your life. Why don't we talk about it? Let's set up a time to call. And I could see the wave of relief just wash across these people's faces. And so for me to be there and witness that and be a link between the two was just awesome. And in my case, um, it was when I found out, obviously, you know, my husband was murdered and that left us with a whole wave of different issues that I was trying to navigate myself through as well as lead my children through. And 
I was like, look, I, I really need somebody who knows how to deal with crime and trauma and small children, not just grief um, from a typical loss, if you want to call it that. But, you know, all the underlying layers that go along with violent crime and how to deal with that and court cases and stuff. And I said to my county, can my family meet with our crime victim specialists and get some help? And at that time, the county policy was that since the crime had not occurred in our county, my family and I were not eligible for those services and those specialist services. So I then uh, picked up the phone and called TAPS and got some other resources from them. So it was so cool for me to be able to tell Bonnie that and share some of the frontline stories with her. And then I wanted to ask her because I realized that when she says I researched this and I researched that, I took a second. I was like, wait a minute, this was like well before the internet. So now we just pick up, you know, our phone, our laptop and just Google anything we want, find out anything we need. But back in that time, Bonnie had a pick up the phone or get creative and find other ways. And she did enormous research and put this tremendous organization together. I asked her how she went about that. Yeah, it was a lot of phone calls and a lot of, yeah, going to, um, going to conferences. You know, I, I immediately became a life member of Gold Star Wives and then talked to everybody that I could find and, and people who knew people that I could call and, and go visit and talk to and, and just really try to understand, you know, what is helpful. And it's interesting, research shows that a peer connection, talking to another bereaved person, particularly someone who is a few years down the road and has maybe reached a point of being at, at, at peace, who can be such an inspiration to someone who is newly bereaved to make that connection, know that you're not alone is enormous. So it's uh, it has been such a blessing to now have this community. We have nearly 80,000 survivors who are actively engaged. We've got over 10,000 service members that we've trained to be mentors to military children. We've got probably 20,000 peer mentors, survivors who have signed up to be a mentor to a newly bereaved person. So it is that that force multiplier and helping. In now, we've seen a lot of organizations spring up across the country in the past decade, which is a it's a good thing and it's a hopeful thing. So many organizations coming forward to help veterans, active duty and surviving families. But there is one big, big thing that sets TAPS apart from a lot of these organizations. There are several things that sets TAPS apart. but one of the primary differences is that for TAPS, it does not matter to them how your loved one was killed. The, this is a huge deal for a lot of organizations that insist on only helping family members of people who have been killed on active duty or scholarships offered only to people who were killed in a live combat situation. I dealt with a lot of this. Obviously, there's a stigma attached to the way my husband was killed murdered by another soldier. His death is labeled non-hostile, a whole other uh, talk there. But TAPS doesn't care. TAPS doesn't care if the person was at home, on duty, off duty. It doesn't matter. If that person was in the military and ever served this country, their family, and not just the next of kin, as is recognized by the government, any family member, sibling, niece, nephew, grandchild, of that person is eligible for services in TAPS. That is awesome. 
I then moved on to Ask Bonnie because anybody who has started something, followed their own passion, that's a little different from the norm of what everybody else is doing. You'll know what I'm talking about when people say to you, like, what the hell are you doing? Are you nuts? Are you crazy? Why are you doing that? And I asked Bonnie if anybody even went so far as to suggest that maybe her little endeavor there was about miring herself down in her own grief and not dealing with her own reality. This is what she had to say. Oh, yeah, that's a great. It's interesting because grief isn't a mental illness. It isn't a physical injury. We can't take a pill. We can't put a splint on it. It doesn't work like that. Grief is a broken heart. We only grieve because we love. And the only thing we can do to soften that pain is to be with others who truly understand. And the strength that comes from that community, from that connection, and the blessing that we are to each other really does outweigh the uh, all of kind of the chatter of people saying, well, aren't you over that yet? And it's been X number of years. And you know, one of the other widows um, whose husband was killed with mine her father said to her, literally said to her, it's been a week. Aren't you over that yet? And that, that became kind of our, our standing joke. Yep. You know, yeah. it's been a week. Aren't you over that yet? Oh it God. isn't something you get over. The, the life and the loss of someone you love is forever part of you. That's especially true with children. And you know this because of your four beautiful children. That He is forever their father. Yeah. That is forever their story. And that's, that's who we are. Those we love, their legacy is woven into the fabric of who we will become. Yep. And we honor their legacy by living better and stronger lives, by remembering who they were and what they did, not by getting over it or forgetting. Or Anyone who has lost someone they love knows that grief is an, a huge obstacle to get through and very difficult, but that it is also just the first step to take in rebuilding your life. And what I love about TAPS is they don't just focus on grief. They do run events across the country from small to national size, dealing with all sorts of aspects of grief, but also rebuilding life. And I asked Bonnie to talk about those events and how they started. Oh, absolutely. We started with just one national gathering. And that was, you know, a small group in Washington, D.C. over Memorial Day weekend. Well, we just had our 24th annual national gathering over Memorial Day. And this year had over 2000 people who attended. Wow. It was amazing. So we do these regional, what we call them regional survivor seminars now all across the country. And those are pretty big events. They have a couple of hundred people, maybe up to 500 people who will attend. Then we do camps for kids. There's a good grief camp that's done right alongside these regional seminars. But then we also do family camps and camp outs for the kids. We do retreats for different populations. So we have a very popular Montana men's retreat where they do fly fishing and horseback riding and, and all sorts of activities. We do young adult retreats. We do uh, every year a retreat up in Alaska. That's very, very popular. We've done that for widows and parents and siblings. We do these programs all over the country. We, we've added empowerment retreats in our inner warrior program to really focus on your physical well-being, your health and wellness. We offer expeditions. We've done several summits of Kilimanjaro, some treks to Machu Picchu. So it is everything and anything that folks would like to do to come together. And we use 
best practices. We do a lot of training in what is the absolute best way that you can integrate an outdoor experience. What is the physiology of it? Why does it work? When you take yourself outside your comfort zone, when you get adrenaline going, it opens you up to new experiences. It actually fast tracks a healing process, letting you know you're not alone. We, we even at our retreats are very conscious about picking roommates and folks sometimes catch on that there's a little method to it all, but they say, oh my gosh, I was, I, my roommate is just someone who's, you know, really understands me who had a similar loss, who, who's been through this journey. And suddenly the magic happens that we find that, you know, people understand us. Now, I've got to see the evolution of TAPS over time and grow from dealing primarily with grief into empowerment. And I think that is so important because as I speak so often about, I've seen too many people become dependent on these events that just focus on grief and then they go home and don't follow through with any sort of empowerment, uplifting mindset forward events. And they just sort of become stuck in these cycles and really kind of mired down in their grief. So I love, love, love seeing that TAPS is now moving into that realm of empowerment, of rebuilding, of moving forward. It is amazing because you know what? Nobody wants to be a widow. And I know that there's all sorts of loss, but I can only speak to being a widow. And I joke all the time, only halfway joking, really. I'm like, I suck at being a widow. I'm not good at it. I did everything backwards, upside down, topsy-turvy wrong. I made a mess of it, right? But I eventually, with the support of people like Bonnie, started to get back on my feet and now rebuild my life in a strong way. And I realized that I may always suck at being a widow, and that's all right, but I make a really great gold star wife. That's because I understand the blessings attached to it, including gratitude. You've got to be grateful for things in life and gratitude will carry you so far. And I am so thankful for people like Bonnie. I know too many people other, too many people out there who go through their own loss and don't have a drop of the support that families like ours have. And people like Bonnie are help me put my life back together to where I'm now in a position to help other people, including military families that we offer events for free, but help people without that support in a coaching program that we've developed to help other people without that support through it. And I'm so grateful I would never have been in that place without people like Bonnie. But what what TAPS also does, they draw in, and I love this, they link surviving family members with active duty family members. So many of our active duty military and veterans, they come home and they're just torn with guilt or they're stuck back over in their combat zones dealing with their own trauma and memories of that and have a hard time. And a lot of that is guilt. They feel so guilty about the people that didn't make it home. They worry about their families. And now through TAPS, these people have the opportunity to come back and be a mentor to a surviving child in particular. So a little boy, a little girl who lost a parent uh, in the military can now link up with an active duty service member and that person becomes their mentor. It is a phenomenal concept. I've seen it firsthand with my own children. My one son, Colin, actually went and spent time with his mentor and his family. They took him on vacation. The relationships built are just so cool, so touching. I'd never heard of anything like this, so I had to ask Bonnie about that TAPS mentorship program, and how did that even come about? Whose idea was it, and how did it start? Oh, God. well, you know, when we started the youth programs very early on and 
it was the Air Force Honor Guard, the guys that, and gals that do the burial detail that actually came to us and said, you know, we'd like to help you. We'd like to volunteer. And the, the people who were doing our, our good grief camp at the time said, wouldn't it be great to connect these military members with the children? Well, it's evolved over the, the past now 20 years to a very, very organized program where these military members can volunteer. They go through a training program. They learn how to be a companion to a bereaved child. And then they're paired one-on-one in a camp setting. And when I say camp, we're not necessarily outdoors. It could be in a hotel, glamping. (laughs) So they have an opportunity to spend quality time with a child, be in a safe space. We've heard military members say when they take off their uniform shirt and they wear a lot of times their fatigues or combat uh, uniforms, and then they put on that blue mentor, TAPS military mentor shirt, it releases them from the branch of service, from the rank, from all of that. But they're still sitting in a circle with maybe 20 of their battle buddies and 20 children. And kids are honest. And kids will absolutely tell it like it is. And they'll ask her questions. And they'll put these mentors right on the spot. And they'll just want to, they'll want to explore the tougher questions. The mentors tell us they got so much more out of it, that they found their healing, that they could let go, they could be a kid again themselves, and they could talk openly and honestly for the first time about their own grief and their own loss and their own pain. It's extraordinarily powerful. We have mentors uh, this year at our Good Grief Camp, the national program, that flew back. We had folks from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from Australia, from Korea, just to be with these kids again, because that's what heals their heart. So prior to a deployment, uh, most units will have some sort of meeting. We had a family readiness group meeting because my husband was National Guard. And they tell you about what will happen when they're deployed, et cetera. And they touch very briefly on the worst case scenario if your husband or wife is killed. It is not a comfortable topic. We all shied away from it for sure. Everybody shies away from it. Nobody wants to talk about it. But I really wish they had. I wish we had known before my husband left that there are organizations like TAPS out there. I wish we had known that there were people like Bonnie Carroll out there. My husband was conscious for a couple of hours before he passed away, and I heard from medics that he was speaking about his wife and children. He was very worried about us. Nothing could have stopped that worry, I know, and I feel it, but I wish he had known. I wish he had been able to flash back to that meeting and know that there were organizations out there like TAPS, people like Bonnie, that that his family wouldn't be alone. And I really, really hope that all deploying units will start talking about this more. And I hope that TAPS will be a part of the conversation. It is not a comfortable conversation, but it absolutely needs to be had. There are people out there like Bonnie, there are organizations out there like Snowball Express that we talk to. None of them can exist without support. Gary Sinise is a huge supporter of TAPS. I know he's just enrolled the Snowball Express program, taken that under his wing, but he still maintains support over TAPS. That organization has been a huge financial support to people as well. My own family relied upon it in an instance of an emergency financial crisis years ago, helped me bridge the gap to get to where I am today. So I wanted to ask Bonnie about the people that support TAPS, about the entities that support TAPS, 
And I asked her if she could give us some examples of that help and of some requests for help that she's received other than ours. Oh my gosh. And, and it's extraordinary. We're very blessed to have the support of Gary, the Gary Sinise Foundation, of USAA, of Walmart, a, a few other close partners who provide us with the financial means to address critical situations. As you were saying, we have families who come to us who it, it's kind of this domino. You're grieving longer than the three days that are allowed at most you know, places of employment. And it just is your life is consumed with the loss and particularly for parents who may not have any other benefits once you lose your job and then don't have the energy to go out looking for another job and then you lose your home and then you lose your, you know, it's this cascade. We can come into a life at that point and we can get people back. We had a woman a number of years ago who actually wrote us a suicide note. Because she was facing exactly that. She had no family. She had raised her her only child as a single parent. He had been killed. And now she had nothing. And then she was diagnosed with cancer. And then she lost her job because of her grief. And so she had no insurance, no health insurance. And it was just, you know, she said, I... I have no way forward. There is no way forward. So we immediately came in. We actually wound up getting her a job uh, at a church. She was Her background was accounting, and it came with a little house to live in. Wow. And it came with a little health care. And then she wound up beating, wonderfully blessing, beating her cancer. And so here she is 10 years later, alive and well and a peer mentor. And But it was just that moment in time, as you said, that it would have gone the other way. And I think people don't realize the military has secondary losses and complicating factors. You're losing more than than just that person. You're losing your way of life. You're losing your community. And uh, for our families, it, it is what this nation really owes them is, is a chance to honor their loved one. What would you say to somebody who came to you and said, Bonnie, look. I have this vision for myself. I feel so driven to do this, but here's all these reasons why I can't. And here's what everybody's telling me. And, you know, these are my fears. And what if, what if I try this and it fails? What if I try this and everybody's right and it doesn't happen? Or is it worth it? How do I know? What would you say to someone who comes to you and asks you that? Oh, I, you know, the driving force really for me is, are you making a difference in someone's life? Are you able to have a positive impact in this world? Is someone breathing easier because of what you are able to do? And if, and if that's what you're about and if that's what's happening, then it's always the right path forward. That's what we must do for each other. That is the best of humanity. It's, it's the only reason we all exist. Bonnie has worked with thousands of survivors and she has seen people who find their way forward and she has worked longer and harder with people who struggle to find their way forward. So I went ahead and asked Bonnie if she was able to identify any traits or commonalities among those who find their way forward and those who have a little more trouble doing so. You know, a turning point for me when I was in a very, really dark place following Tom's death I was talking to this very wise woman and, you know, I was just saying, I, I can't go on. I can't live like this. I just can't. I, I can't go on without him. He was everything, my whole world. And it's gone. And she said, well, she said, well, knowing how much this hurts and how painful this is, she said, 
would you rather never have met? It was such a, it was such a shock. It was like a slap in the face. I said, no, no, no. I, I had no, I have no regrets. I just wanted more. It wasn't enough. And she just looked at me and she said, and it never would have been enough. And that's a blessing. And that really just took me back. And then she said, did he, did he enrich your life? And oh my gosh, it was just such a wonderful question. And I said, oh, in so many ways. He was amazing. It was unconditional love. He taught me everything. And he was, a, he was a great dad. He was a great leader. He was a wonder, everything. It was just amazing. And I went on and on and on. She finally had to, you know, I, until I was exhausted. Yes. Uh, and she just looked at me kind of smiling and she said, well, she what are you going to do with all those riches? Wow. And it, it was such a, such an epiphany. It really flipped things around. So it, it really made me think instead of what I'd lost, it was about what we had, that it just wanted more of it, that it never would have been enough. Right. Whether we have someone for, you know, you know, 19 years or, or 90 years or, or whatever the length of time, it never would have been enough, but we had them. And that little while is precious. And now we have the opportunity to actually use the riches they gave us to make a difference in this world. We all know people who we say, oh my gosh, your life should absolutely be a movie. Or maybe you're that person who has that life that is just so extraordinary that other people are telling you, man, you should really make your life into a movie. Bonnie's someone whose life was made into a movie, or at least the love she and her husband have was the inspiration and driving focus of the movie. Anybody who remembers that movie, Big Miracle, starring Drew Barrymore, will want to hear what Bonnie had to say about how that came about and how she became a large inspiration for that movie. Well, way back in the eighties, my husband and I actually met when I was working in the West Wing of the white house. And he was up in Alaska as commander of the national guard. And there were these three whales stuck in the ice up in Barrow in, in the northernmost part of Alaska. So it became one of those things that went viral before there was viral. And it absolutely just dominated the media. It was a cover of People magazine. It was on every news broadcast, every school, not only in, in the country, but in the world was fixated on these whales. You know, would they get out of the ice? They were trapped when the ice actually froze and they were still too close to shore. So my husband was just this absolutely this old soul. And he saw this as an opportunity to bring together the community up there of the Eskimos, the oil company, there was Greenpeace up there protesting both the Eskimos for whaling and the oil companies for drilling, and then also the military. So we brought all of these different factions together, and it just was this beautiful story. So here I am working in the West Wing of the White House. The president asked me, he said, at the time I was serving in the National Guard myself, so he said, call someone and find out how we can help. So we did. And that's how I met Tom Carroll. And uh, a book was written about the whale rescue. And the book was bought by Universal Studios. And nothing was done with it for 20 years. Wow. And then it was made into a movie with Drew Barrymore and John Krasinski and Ted Danson. Uh, Dermot Mulroney played my husband. And so it was it was beautiful to get to relive that time. I got to be an extra at my wedding. But it was just, it was really, there were a lot of God, we, we call them God wings, those little signs, the little magical things that happened. But uh, there were a lot of things that happened during that, that uh, let me know that I think Tom still has a hand in quite a bit. 
I, I do want to go back. There's one thing I wanted to share. The TAPS is now in 25 different countries, whether that is with partnerships or whether that is creating a program. I spent a lot of time in the past uh, couple of weeks, actually, in Ukraine, where since 2014, they have lost over 10,000 soldiers. Wow. And the world doesn't know that, that we aren't focused on it. But to go into that community and to speak to hundreds of surviving family members and have them look at us with, well, you're from America, you know, great skepticism of what do you know about our suffering? Right. And so I asked the question through a translator. I said, well, how many people have a picture of their loved one with them? Everybody pulls out either a picture out of their purse or their pocket or their wallet, or they open up their phone and scroll through their pictures. Everybody had a picture. And so our little team, we put our pictures up and all of a sudden we became one. And it was amazing. It was just beautiful. So for them to connect with us, we do a great program in Afghanistan and to connect the grieving widows of Afghanistan with the widows in America who lost their loved ones in Afghanistan and to build that bridge to that you know, the American dream where we can come together, where we have the freedom to do this, and we also have the freedom to love. We had time for one last question, so I made it a fun one, and I asked Bonnie if there was one person in this world who she has not met, which already makes it a hard question because she's met everybody, uh, but if there was one person in this world that she could meet and sit down and take some time to hang out with, who would it be? Well, you know, it's interesting because there was an article and actually that I um, popped up in the Kurdish, uh, Kurdistan, Iraq newsfeed that Angelina Jolie actually is very interested in what's happening with the women and children there. She was in the same refugee camp that we visited wow. in the same towns and areas. So I've been trying to actually reach her through other people that I know and make the connection and, what? you know, see if I could track her down and let her know we, there is, there are things that are happening. Yeah. What you said was spot on to what we want to do and are trying to do. So I am, I'm going to meet her somehow. I've got to let her know what we're doing. We are so grateful to Bonnie for everything she does, everything she has done, and for taking time to sit down and talk with us. It is so awesome to be able to share her story, be a part of sharing her story. I could not end it without making sure she told all of you how to get in touch with her, how to find out more about the amazing work she does, and see if you want to get involved in some way. TAPS.org is our website, and we've got a lot of good information there. Our social media is at TAPS.org, and uh, our helpline is 800-959-TAPS. We were so excited to have Bonnie on our show for a lot of reasons. She's made a direct impact in my life and in the lives of my children and so many of the women and children I know. And I had to laugh a little bit. It almost seemed a little appropriate because like we talk about here is overcoming difficulties and struggles and challenges. If you notice, we changed the format on this podcast a little bit. It's because we had some freakishly bizarre audio issues on our end. So we just rolled with it. We couldn't stand to lose this interview. It was too important. We hope that her message, you know, overpowered any issues that we had. We did restructure a bit. We wound up having fun, learning some new skills. That's what it's about rolling with changes and struggles as they come. We've certainly endured worse, and we're pretty sure you have too. But thank you again to Bonnie Carroll and TAPS 
for taking the time to do all the work you do and Bonnie for sharing your story with us. And we're going to take this moment here to encourage anybody who is feeling overwhelmed by loss, by grief. Certainly if you're in the military community, reach out to Bonnie, reach out to TAPS, even those of you not in the military community, reach out to somebody. There are groups out there now for so many instances and issues and people that want to help right there in your own community. And maybe they don't even know that you're struggling with something. That's because you always put on that strong face, but maybe you're dying inside. Find somebody, find the courage, find the strength to reach out to just one person. Certainly if you're in severe crisis, call 911. Nothing, nothing, nothing is worth giving up on. And please consider us a resource as well for non-emergent issues because we will absolutely refer you to emergency services. But if you are in crisis, if you're feeling overwhelmed in life, we can help as well. Thank you so much, everybody. So listening, please go ahead and share this podcast and our other podcasts with people you know who need a little more inspiration in their lives and use the lessons that our guests offer through their own stories. So go ahead and be a little more exceptional in your own lives. 